This is the Don Juans of Dynasty, where we discuss all things Dynasty Fantasy Football. Sit back and enjoy the show. Season 2 is live. We've been gone for about a month. Uh... We now have a snazzy new intro for those of you who are not prepared for that. Uh, we're taking it up a level this year. You know, a new year, uh, new Don Juans. We're, uh, you know, we're getting into the film. We're going to be looking at some of these rookies. Uh, I think we got a fun one today. But before we get into it, let me go ahead and kick us off. So I'm your host, Mike, and I'm joined by John. Yo. And Tim. What's up? <clears throat> hey, Mike. Oh, no. Are you going to start with the joke right away? Do you know what the word for seal is in Spanish? No. It's Foca. So what do you call a mother seal? Oh, I got it. Tim, why don't you say it though? No, thank you. Uh, <laughs> did you did you think we weren't gonna bite into that or you thought we were gonna I thought you could have gotten Tim with it. You should have probably started with Tim. I'm learning Spanish, all right. I just wanted to share with you guys. <clears throat> well, um if you're learning Spanish like you're learning tape uh, analysis, you're in very questionable shape. So we'll uh, we'll find out. We'll find out how that, that uh, ends up looking. But anyway, guys, um, you know, it's been a while. I missed, uh, I missed this. I think the last time we had an episode was more than a month ago. Um, and part of the reason we wanted to take a little bit of a hiatus was to get a little bit more into the rookie film. Um you know, start looking at our posting schedule. So we've started to post a couple more articles. I'm going to be trying to have those weekly or biweekly from here on out. We've been posting stuff on Reddit, um, sending stuff out via Twitter. So definitely go ahead and give us a, a read on those things when you see that stuff coming out. We like to try to get those articles out by Thursday or Friday of the week. Um, so just a quick little plug right there. But without any further ado, guys, um, let's get into the top news headlines of the offseason. And, and obviously, I think – Really, you know, our main topic for today is going to be looking at the rookie quarterbacks that are coming in, and it's a fitting time to be looking at quarterbacks in general because a big trade went down in Detroit. Um, obviously, we're a little late to the analysis on this, but we might as well just chirp in with our two cents. I think, um, you know, Stafford and then, uh, you know, Jared Goff swapping places, and then we're also dealing with a couple of firsts and a third going back to the Lions. You know, I uh, I like the move. I like the move for the Lions. I think, you know, if they're ready to move on from Stafford, they're getting some assets that are very solid. Um, you know, there was a conversation that the Panthers allegedly offered pick eight and I think another player. Um, and then I guess the, the Rams came in with two firsts versus – you know, the one earlier first. What do you guys think about that trade? What's your uh, – John, why don't you go ahead and kick us off there with what you think? I mean, like you said, I like it a lot for the Lions. I think it helps um, – <clears throat> like the Rams have a good team, but obviously golf was hurting them a little bit. So I think Stafford obviously is an upgrade for Cooper Cup and Robert Woods and whoever their tight end is. I think it's going to be Higby because I don't. I think Everett is gone. Um, and also Cam Akers. Um but I also like it for the Lions, like you said. I mean, I think – I don't I don't think Goff's going to start on the Lions. I think they still probably bring in another guy to at least compete. Um, but if not, I guess Goff's a decent placeholder until they really, really figure it out. But, yeah, I like the move. I like the move as well. Goff's only 26, 27. So, you know, hypothetically, if someone can salvage him, there's still time. 
And this is almost reminiscent of the uh, trade of Brock Osweiler from the Texans to the Browns a few years ago. They're doing it just to get all that money off their books. And now that the Rams don't have any draft capital, uh, early draft capital, they're going to need all that cap space. The only pause I'm getting is uh, just the back injuries for Stafford. Like they say, no one ever used to have a bad back. Uh, John can tell you about that with Tony Romo. So, I don't know. Just, we'll see how it happens. But I do like the trade for both teams. I think it makes both of them better. I mean, I got a bad back. I don't even play football. Well, there you go. <laughs> go, go, to the, go to the Rams, then. <laughs> I think uh, one of the things that people are probably looking at but not talking about is the fact that um, the Rams GM has seemed to, I guess, evaluate – um, kind of the way that the league is, you know, valuing firsts. And I think what is clear is that he values firsts a lot less than the league. And that's why you keep seeing them trade out of the first round for proven talent. Um, you know, I don't, I don't hate the move. I can, I can see why the Rams would do it. I mean, again, it is a lot of capital, but at the same time, um, you know, they were, I think the, the golf experiment in LA is done. I think, at best, golf is going to be a bridge quarterback for the Lions. Um, and I could easily see them taking a quarterback. And we'll get into it when we talk about these quarterbacks a little bit, who I could see there. Um, but I could see them taking a quarterback at seven. And, and if I was them, I quite honestly, I would. Um, they're going to be probably not very good for the next couple of years. And to have somebody who can sit under golf for a little bit but light a fire um, would be a good idea. Because I don't think any one player is going to turn the franchise around right now. But they have a couple of young, promising guys. You know, they have Hawkinson, they have Swift. Um, that line is very solid. One of the things I saw that kind of surprises me that people keep saying it, but they love the move for Acres, um, which I get because Stafford's a better quarterback. But they think that it's um, it's going to make lighter boxes for Acres. And what's been proven over time is that scheme fit is what creates light and heavy boxes, not um, your quarterback. So there's actually a lot of stats on that that basically back it up. But I find it super interesting that people think there's just going to be more run lanes because of that. I think if anything, there might be more run lanes just because people respect Stafford more, but same scheme, I think. Yeah, no, it's going to be the same scheme, but I mean, golf is not a good quarterback and Stafford can really air it out and they have a, a good wide receiver core. I mean, they're what third or fourth wide receiver is Van Jefferson who was taken in the second round. So like Stafford can definitely air it out. So I think it does help acres in that way. <clears throat> Completely agree. Yeah, I think, um, you know, it's funny because golf isn't good, but when golf and McVay were there, Todd Gurley had RB1 and RB3 finishes. So I don't think golf is going to be the reason Akers sinks or swims. Um, you know, I, I do think that it'll be interesting to see if Stafford utilizes um, Akers in the passing game more because Stafford did a good job of including Swift in the in the passing game. So you're hoping that he kind of continues that. Yeah. Um. I mean, I think the other moves that are going on, we don't have to go into them too much. I mean, we've been, you know, monitoring Carson Wentz where he's going and where Deshaun Watson's going. But as of right now, until anything really drops, there's no point in trying to speculate too much. I think Bears for Wentz is we're hearing a lot about. Um, and there was actually a report today that Watson is somebody who the Panthers are smitten with, and they might send up to three firsts for him plus. Um, they're apparently doing anything they can to get him. And that would be really interesting, including adding McCaffrey to the deal I read today. Yeah, which would – I think that would be crazy. Mm -hmm. Three firsts again. on that contract. Yeah, three three firsts that contract and then, yeah, 
It'll be but interesting. Also, but also sucks for for McCaffrey owners because he's going to the Texans, who are going to suck. Yeah, it's not the best place for him. And they sold David Johnson there, which, I mean, thanks, Bill O'Brien. <laughs> There's not <laughs> much to say about that. I mean, at least he's still there. Maybe that was punishment. Maybe Bill O'Brien knew that bringing people to his squad was the ultimate punishment. It's like how Belichick used to send people to the Browns. I was just thinking the same thing. <laughs> oh, you want you want money? You want to raise? Yeah, traded for a seventh round pick to the Browns. Let me show you how little you mean to me. <laughs> okay. Uh, I don't think I have anything else for news breakdowns. Do you guys have anything else you want to hit? Uh, yeah. I mean, Haskins went to the Steelers. <laughs> Fresh start. I have to take a long side. Baby. I have to take a long side because uh, – uh, Haskins is bad. So if if that's the hill I die on in this pot, I'll accept it. You, is he on your team still? Is he is he riding your pine? Uh, yes, sir. Okay, that's why you keep talking about him. I just wanted to. I just wanted confirmation. Can I add him to my taxi squad or no? Oh, that'd be cool. But it's his third year in the league. I know it feels like he's performed like somebody on your taxi squad, but it, unfortunately, he doesn't fit there. So. Yeah, I thought I thought maybe I'd get a break because I picked him up. But <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's like a it's like a royalty tax or uh, like a poor tax. Yeah. That would be that would be something special. All right, do you guys have anything else that are actually relevant news lines, or should we start hitting these quarterbacks? I'm looking forward to hitting the quarterbacks. Yeah, let's dive into it. All right, let's uh let's do this. Um, I kind of have the list of the quarterbacks. Um, as I I want them to go, we can rotate who goes first. Um, so you know. Let's start off with just like the heir apparent here um, for for the 1.01 that has been talked about for a long time, and I don't really anticipate it changing. But let's go ahead and start off with Trevor Lawrence. Um, you know, went to Clemson. He's age 21, exploded onto the scene as a true freshman. Just you know, kind of didn't even need to ramp up or get adjusted to to playing at a high level. He kind of jumped on the field and was was good his first year, and he has done nothing to really quell any of those. Um, you know high levels of excitement that people had around him. John, why don't you go ahead and just uh, talk about a little bit of what you see with Lawrence and kind of some of the film and, and your thoughts, and then I'll pass it to Tim. All right. I mean, I know, obviously, everyone knows he's a great player, and I actually kind of was comparing his traits to Burroughs. Um, you know, I feel like they have similar just football IQ. They're just comfortable in the pocket. They can move around and make plays. Obviously, um Trevor Lawrence is a little more athletic and can and they can do design run plays with him. But something that I saw that I know we were talking about, Mike, was some of his deep balls weren't that accurate. Um, and I'm gonna go. I'm gonna say a couple stats later. But what I noticed was he didn't really have that arc that like Burrow and guys like Russell Wilson have. It was they were more linear, which kind of put his ball placement off a little bit. Um, and here's a stat that I absolutely love. Um, it was from Pro Football Network, and it was. Out of 217 chartable balls, he completed 152, which is around 70%, which is lower than Burrow, Herbert, Tua, and the one and only Ben DiNucci. <laughs> but Your I favorite. Mean, yeah, my favorite. But, yeah, I mean, the only knock on him that I had was really his deep ball, um, which I guess is something that he could work on when he gets to the NFL. But that's what I got. Mm-hmm. Tim, what are your thoughts? Uh, my thoughts, uh, I'm basically with the consensus on this. I think he was the number one quarterback in his uh, in his class coming into college. Right now he's the top quarterback prospect in the draft. Prototypical quarterback. 
He's exactly what you look for. He's got the size, arm talent, decision-making, the production, the athleticism, and he plays against a high-level competition. Yes, his team is looking like the new Alabama. I know they had they didn't win at all this year, but they're consistently in the playoff hunt and going deep in the playoffs. But he's also playing against high-level competition too. He's going up against juggernauts like Ohio State and Alabama. And even if they don't win, he still looks pretty good against them. And also what I like, he's not just throwing to wide open guys. It's easy when you're watching someone like, you know, Mac Jones or Trey Lance when their team's just leagues ahead of everyone else. Uh, they're just throwing it in wide open lanes sometimes. But uh, you like to see Trevor Lawrence throw it just in the tight windows. It's it's good that he can do that. It's not going to be like a two a situation where he comes in and he's like, oh, well, these guys aren't open by 10 yards. What is this? Yeah, I mean, so first off, shout out to random guy on Twitter who was actually able to rip some of the uh, pro football focus data basically off their site that looks at advanced analytics on some of uh, Trevor Lawrence's things. So some of the things it looks at are adjusted completion percentage, uh, average depth of target, big time throw rate, aka like making a money throw, uh, turnover worthy play rate, deep yards, screen yards, drop rate percent, pressure sack conversion rate. Um, average time to throw per drop back. So, um, you know, the, the thing that's interesting, Tim, is I, I don't want to say that he can't thread the needle because, like, yeah, he, he can. So, like, let me start off by saying this. Um, I like Lawrence a lot. Um, I think his accuracy is, for the most part, pretty strong. You, you know, one of the things that I don't think is talked about enough is that he really came onto the scene as a true freshman. And when he first started um, – and he was so good as a freshman. I sometimes feel like people forget that he's been consistently good, but I don't know if he's gotten way, way better. Like, I think a lot of the skills that he had as a freshman are still there and they're on display, but I think he's like a little bit more raw and he's had the benefit of playing at Clemson more than people talk about. Mm -hmm. And I'll kind of explain like why I say this a little bit more. So uh, adjusted completion percentage, uh, you know, this is all per pro football focus, 77.3%. So that ranked 13th of all quarterbacks they measured. Average depth of target was nine yards. That was tied for 53rd. Big time throw rate, 7%. That was 29th. Turnover worthy plays, 3.6%. That was 47th. Deep yards, 831 of his yards this year were deep yards. That was ranked 12th. Here's the mind boggling stat that I think nobody's talking about. Screen yards, 686 yards off of screens this year, first in the nation. He had the most completions on throws within five yards, and it wasn't particularly close. Um, And I don't want to hold this against him because I guess it's what Clemson is calling and it's their scheme. But here's the thing. At the end of the day, when you're looking at some of his stats and his stats are consistently good and they're strong and his average yards per attempt is is good – context matters of these throws. And when your average depth of target is nine yards, which is 53rd, um, you know, and I'm also looking at his heat maps, which I have up his heat map. Everything is, is in the middle of the field. And that's kind of what the film backed up. Mm -hmm. I think uh, at times he sails balls. I think his mechanics, you know, Mm -hmm. one of the things people get pissed off about with Lawrence um, or with Lamar that they don't with Lawrence, his base that he throws, he throws from is not always consistent. Like, at times he narrows his base, and, like, his mechanics to me look a little bit wonky. And, you know, for people that are listening, again, this isn't like, oh, I wouldn't take Lawrence at 1.01. This is more of a conversation of, like, let's say that Lawrence was being drafted in a startup draft. You know, 
would I be taking him over Burrow? Would I be taking him over Dak? And and for me, the answer is no, because I think he still has things to work on. I think Burrow's accuracy was more impressive coming out of school. And I think they're similar athletically. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And again, it's not a knock on him. And I think the Jaguars are a great landing spot with Urban Meyer there now, um, more of a spread offense. And he has a lot of weapons around him, similar to what he had at Clemson. But I do agree that people are like, oh, he's a generational prospect. And they're kind of overlooking some of the like inaccurate passes that he had. Um, and I was looking at that same at the heat map. And I think it's what's his lowest percentage. I think it's like outside to the right or something. Outside of the right and outside of the left, they're both not that good. Yeah. When it's about 20 yards downfield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is – that's not an easy throw to make, but you have to make that if you're an NFL quarterback. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, again, it's and, – and here's the thing. I'm He needs to develop further. Like, he just does. Like, he's young and um, he's he's a really strong prospect. But I don't even – you know, to your point, John, about Urban Meyer – I don't even know if Urban Meyer is known as the quarterback whisperer. I don't, I don't know if they're known or he's known for this development of that. Um, we have no idea how that scheming is going to really work for Lawrence. I, I assume not bad, but like it is an unknown. Yeah, I guess that's true. He doesn't really take over the offense. He kind of brings in guys to hand down responsibilities to, I guess, but he's a big recruiter. He's kind of known for his recruiting savvy yeah. and bringing talent to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, again, I think we're gonna we're gonna reevaluate once we know landing spots. We're gonna do a mock draft, um, and it's gonna be a little bit easier to do a better analysis of where we're picking players and everything. I mean, again, right now he is my one point oh one, and I think it's a good pick. I think it's it's solid. I I don't like what I'm reading when people are talking about taking him over Burrow and they're talking about taking him over Dak. Um, I, I think a couple of people might be taking him over, you know, anybody in that five to eight range. Like maybe some people want him over Deshaun. Um, I, I'm just not, I'm not there. I think, I think I see him more in the 10 to 12 range and I'm already seeing people talking about him as like top seven. And I just don't like to do that before he's taking a snap. Yeah. I completely I, agree with that. You, you go, you go. No, take it away, Tim. All right. Uh, I was about to say the same thing as you probably. Um, just the fact that of people who've been playing Dynasty a lot and, you know, for a few years, you know that when you start valuing rookies uh, over people who are established in the league, like we all saw what Joe Burrow did. We all saw what Justin Herbert did. Can we really see or can we really see just a rookie coming in and instantly being better than them? Maybe, yeah. But odds are when you're trying to do a startup draft, you want a guy who's a cornerstone and you don't want to take an unknown quantity that early. Yeah, that was basically what I was going to say. So, good point, Tim. I hope. All right, John, you uh, you kicked off that analysis um, and in, in the effort of being fair. Tim, why don't you go ahead next? You pick. I'll let you pick the guy that we talk about next. <clears throat> All right, so who I have next, um, I kind of had a 1A, 1B situation for the number two, but who I think is the number two in this draft, again, consensus number two right now, is Justin Fields. And you mind if I go into him or you guys want to go? You, you kick it off. I'll, I'll say for the for the context that I provided before, uh, Fields <clears throat> is 21 years old, played for Ohio. Um, he'll be 22 by the time he <clears throat> takes a snap in the NFL. Mm-hmm. All right. So 
uh, just from watching tape, just anyone, if you just pop in any highlights, something like that, you'll see he's incredibly athletic, plays for Ohio State. So it's like the Trevor Lawrence situation of he is a really talented team, but he also plays against really talented teams. So it's not just him beating up on, you know, Savannah State. And just some general notes on his play. When you're watching him, he makes a few boneheaded plays every game. But again, he has the solid arm strength and great athleticism. But for me, the biggest glaring issue is that he holds on to the ball for way too long while the play develops. Mm-hmm. It's almost like that. I'm not going to compare him to Mahomes, but for everyone that watches Super Bowl, you see that sometimes Mahomes will kind of have a tendency to run around behind a line of scrimmage, make kind of a Hail Mary look and play when it would have been easier just to make a quick, simpler throw. And I'm just going to call that a uh, Daniel Jones because anyone who's watching New York Giants game will tell you Daniel Jones will clutch the ball, shuffle in the pocket and get drilled. If you want condensed film just for yourself and you don't want to dive into every game he's ever played, watch the, oh, or excuse me, the game against Indiana in 2020. And this game includes everything. It's a roller coaster. It's everything he's good at and everything he's awful at. Impressive throws, great rushing ability, escapability in the pocket, but it's also his trouble kind of picking up and sensing blitzes, holding on to the ball for too long, making ill-advised throws under pressure. So, again, if I had to comp him to someone, I don't know if it's the best comp, but I'd say he's more of a quick-twitch athlete version of Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones has a deep, uh, I want to call it deep speed, but he doesn't have the agility. That's what Justin Fields has. But it's just the pocket presence or lack of thereof. That's what that reminds me of. If he can't learn to deal with it, I see him becoming Daniel Jones. If he learns how to sense pressure better, call out blitzes, maneuver the pocket a little bit better, I see him as solidly being the number two quarterback in the class. Yeah, I, I agree with you with taking the sacks. Um, and a lot of I feel like a lot of people say that he's a first read quarterback and only stares down one wide receiver. But I, I saw I don't really see this as a problem because I do think he's going to develop because I've seen some games where he does that and I've seen other games where he goes through all of his progressions and either hits the third or fourth read or he runs. So it's not like he is just constantly staring down one receiver. Like he he kind of just goes back and forth. So once he gets into the NFL, I think they can fix that. And unless he goes to the Jets, that might hurt him a little bit. Um, but what I really liked was in 2019 on balls 20-plus yards downfield, he only completed 46.2% of his passes. And then last year he completed 77%. So he has a really good arm and he's getting more accurate, um, which is something that you want to see, especially because he's a guy that can run. Um, but you like to see him pass first instead of just panicking and taking off. Um, so I, I'm with you, Tim, that he's the consensus number two. You love those guys that who uh, they take steps every year. <laughs> hey, and I'm one for one on calling them out with Ronald Jones. Yeah, I think um, to your point, it's, it's interesting to me that people keep talking about him as a first read quarterback. He actually has hit the second and third progressions for his reads at a higher percentage than Lawrence. Lawrence is is more first read based on the metrics than fields actually is which i think it might be surprising to some people um that's not to say that lawrence can't go through his progressions it's just like this concept that fields can't do multiple reads is is kind of debunked um also conversely to what we see with lawrence with kind of um you know fields hot zones um 20 yards out 25 yards out and in the corners he's actually money 
um, especially on the right side. On the left side, he still struggles with it a little bit. But, you know, when you look at a heat map of Fields and you look at the heat map of um, Lawrence, it, a lot more throws for Fields are further downfield. Now, also part of this, I'm going to be fair and say, you know, average time to throw – um, Fields is at 3.11 seconds, which is the third best in the nation. Uh, Lawrence was tied for 53rd, I think, or 54th. Um, and he, his was a lot higher. I think it was something – he only had 2.3 oh, – tied for 82nd, actually. 2.35 seconds to throw. Um, so he's given a lot more time between his throws um, in, the, in the case of Fields. But one thing that I would say is interesting and, and I think is another kind of misconstrued thing – Whereas 686 yards were screen yards for Trevor Lawrence, 86 yards were screen yards for Justin Fields, which is 112. Mm -hmm. Um, Deep yards for Justin Fields is is, uh, 709 deep yards, which is 20th. Whereas when we're talking about Lawrence, uh, his deep yards are 831, so he's 12th. So he's still a little bit higher there. But um, I think in the intermediate part of the field, he's really strong. Uh, his passing grades are really outstanding there from 10 to 19 yards and 20 plus yards out. I also think that my comp for him is a little bit more along. Um, you know, I think he reminds me of Dak, uh, to be honest with you. Yeah, I agree. I like, I like that, that a lot. Comp. I mean, the only thing I have to add was I know Tim brought up that he holds on to the ball sometimes, um, which can be a problem. It's definitely more of a problem for Daniel Jones because he's not as athletic as Justin Fields. Um, I mean, you see guys in the NFL do that. Like Deshaun Watson runs into the most sacks I've ever seen. But also you see him make these sweet plays and he avoids three sacks and then makes a big play downfield. So it's something that I think can be taught when he's in the NFL, but also he has the ability to escape sacks where it's maybe it doesn't work a couple times, but for every time it doesn't work, it works five times. So I don't think that's as big of a problem as we think. That's fair. So you're saying that it's kind of uh, good that he has that in his arsenal. It's like, you know, yeah, he might, he might rely on a little much, but if it gets coached out of him, it's nice that he can just pull that out. Yeah, exactly. I like yeah. That. And, and, and his accuracy is good. I mean, his adjusted completion percentage is 80.8%, which is second best in the nation. Um, you know, looking at him versus Lawrence average depth of target was 10.4. Lawrence's was nine. Uh, big time throw rate, 7.8%. Let me see what Lawrence's was. Um, 7%, so it's higher than that. Um, you know, turnover-worthy plays, uh, 2.8%. Lawrence's was 3.6%. So, you know, you also have to think that Lawrence is making less plays that really should be turnover-worthy if he's, if he's doing everything at the line of scrimmage, kind of. So, Waiting all of that stuff. I like Fields a lot. Um, I'll be interested to see where he's going. He's got that mobility that you love to see and that athleticism you love to see. I think, you know, Lawrence is athletic too. He can move around in the pocket. He can get up in a hurry. Um, but I think Fields is closer to what I envision being a real dual threat. I think he'll be used more in that regard. Um, but hot take, you guys said Justin Fields is the consensus 1.02. He probably is. He's not my 1.02. Trey, um, <laughs> Trey Lance is my 1.02, but you could have let me at least build that up for when I go into my next. <laughs> no, guy. You, you're he the host. Kinda, you're you're yeah. the host, so I have to steal something from you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So right now, I have it. I have it. Lawrence is his own um, person in his own tier. However, I'm 
starting to question if he should really be in his own tier. I don't know if he's that much better than than my next guy. I think um, my next tier comprises of three people, and it's Lance um, is my second guy, Fields is my third guy, and Wilson's my fourth. And I think this is more from a fantasy perspective. I want to just go on the record saying that I love this quarterback class in general. Um, so, you know, it's one of those things where – we're splitting hairs a little bit. I think you should be happy with these guys and let's see where they go. Cause we're subject to adjust based on how we see them going. But I wouldn't be shocked if a team loves Lance's intangibles and he goes before Justin Fields, even though I think Justin Fields is, is a, is a phenomenal prospect. Um, do you guys have other things on fields before we go into Lance? No, I, but I did just want to add that I completely agree with you that we are kind of splitting hairs here. One of the notes I had for um, Zach Wilson was, you know, being, you know, third or fourth in this draft class is not even a knock. There's an argument for all of them to be number two. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, like, again, I said that Zach Wilson was the third guy in my second tier. I was watching more Zach Wilson today. We'll, we'll get into Zach a little bit. Uh, he, he's fun to watch, man. He, he's good. He, he really is you. good. And, and uh, he, he does grow on you. And uh, we watched film and, and there were certain things that I didn't love when we watched together um, like a month ago and then I rewatched him today and, and we'll again we'll get into him but I, I like him a lot too so we'll see the, the top four to me are all going to be really really exciting and then you know at five I have Mac Jones and he's not a bad consolation prize possibly is more of a game manager but um, anyway let, let's go ahead and get into Trey Lance then if you guys are good mm-hmm. um, Trey Lance went to North Dakota State um, he was a phenomenal player in 2019. Um, he's 20 years old, so he's very young. He basically opted out of this season due to COVID. So he played one game um, unspectacularly. And, you know, I think, I don't know if he was playing South Dakota, but they did everything in their power to limit him um, in his one game he played. So when we talk about Fields and his ability to be dual threat, um you know, Trey Lance in his sophomore campaign had only I don't know, 33 less rushing yards than Justin Fields has in his career. And Trey Lance was only a starter for one year. And I know that having Trey Lance at two is going to turn some heads. There's going to be people that listen that are skeptical of this pick. Um, Trey Lance, to me, has the highest ceiling possibly of anybody in this class. And the reason I say that is because he's has the patented strongest arm. Um his athleticism is, is elite uh, at the quarterback position. There's no doubt in my mind he can be dual threat for a team. He's prototypical in his size. Um, his decision-making is, is good. He actually ran a pro-style offense at North Dakota. Uh, so I'm not worried as much about the transition, although I think sitting behind somebody would be beneficial. But I, I love his potential. And I, I look at him and I think, you know, he reminds me a lot of some of the things that people loved about Josh Allen and Justin Herbert and, you know, even Patrick Mahomes, and I know that that's a rave review, but, you know, some of the things that were knocks on all those guys was their decision-making at times and their accuracy. And while Trey Lance can still improve his accuracy, I think Trey Lance is asked to make more big-time throws. And in 2019, he had 28 touchdowns to zero interceptions. So he's not sitting here, you know, making some of these Josh Allen patented mistakes in college. So I really do think the sky's the limit on him. Um, but what, what do you guys think? Uh, well, 
I personally agree with you on that, uh, that he can be the number two in this class and he could be one of the highest upside guys in this class. But I do think that he might also have one of the lowest floors of the top four quarterbacks, just because if you do look and uh, again, you mentioned his 2020 game wasn't exactly the best. I believe it was against central Arkansas. They did pull out all the stops and we got to see some of the things that he didn't handle too, too well. He's, as you said, a great, great athlete, but Sometimes when he's uh, playing up against pressure, he can make you know the correct read and deliver the ball there, but it's not always going to be pretty. The accuracy wavers noticeably when there's a lot of pressure. But again, when you watch his tape, dude's uh, just the Hulk. If anyone tries to sack him, he's about as big as some of these D-linemen that he's playing against. Um, he looks like a running back when he takes off, and I like him a lot. Uh, like I said, being third isn't a knock. There's an argument for all these dudes, but completely agree. If he can put it together and be like a self-starter like Allen or Josh Allen when he just improves himself every year, he could be very scary in two or three years. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, the only thing – the only reason I have – I have met four. I have um, Zach Wilson at three. The only thing is – and we were watching – was it it's Ray GQ, right? Yeah. Yeah, we were watching his yeah. film, and the one thing that I really liked that he said was, oh, you know, Justin Fields is what Trey Lance would be if he went to Ohio State. It's like, yeah, that could be true, but we saw Justin Fields do it at Ohio State against better competition. Mm-hmm. So that really stood out to me. That's, like, the only reason I have uh, Fields over him is just based off competition. Which, I mean, obviously Trey Lance dominated and we saw Wentz do the same thing and I I still think he's a good quarterback. So, I guess you can't weigh that too much. Um, But that's one thing that's holding me back on him. And the reason I have Zach Wilson over him is kind of what Tim just mentioned. And I think Zach Wilson's just a better pure thrower. And even though Trey Lance has the upside and can run, we've seen teams stop him. And even like Lamar Jackson in the NFL, we've seen – that once teams take away his couple strengths, you know, he really starts to struggle. So again, we're splitting hairs, but that's, those are just the reasons why I've had to have him at four. Yeah. And John, that's a good point for, for the longest time I was struggling with putting him ahead of fields because I was actually one of the first people when we were talking that I liked fields a lot. And I kind of was telling you guys some of the things I enjoyed watching him is his accuracy is really tangible, but Lance isn't inaccurate, right? Like I think that's, that's a, a difference. Like, whereas I think, you know, fields might be a B plus a minus in his accuracy. I think that Lance is maybe a B. Um, I think that, you know, Lance has the mobility of fields potentially with the higher upside of his arm talent fields can make all the throws and he has good arm strength. But I think that to become a true floor raising quarterback in this league, um, very few of the quarterbacks in the top two to three aren't able to throw and have that kind of talent. I think Lance possesses that ceiling and I weighed that a little bit. I think Lance is not going to be the second quarterback to go off the board. He might be the third, he might be the fourth. I think in a couple of years, people are going to look back and go, how did Lance sink that far? And I really do think him not playing this year um, is one of the reasons because to, you know, to call a spade a spade, Lawrence Fields and Zach Wilson all had really, really strong years. Yeah. And, and to your point, Mike, I'm not, I'm not, this is by no means a knock on Trey Lance. It's just, I guess what I'm saying is that he's, 
kind of more of a project just because um, Justin Fields is more pro ready. Um, it's not that I don't think he can do it by any means. It's just I feel like he might sit behind someone for a year. Like maybe he goes to the Falcons and sits for a year and then he's a stud as whereas uh, Justin Fields could go in and start day one. Yeah, I can agree with that. It's just like Josh Allen. I mean, before this year, everyone kept saying, oh, it's upside. He's improving. He's improving. And then we finally see what he kind of turned into. But it did take three years. He he didn't exactly look like a world beater last year, even though he was quarterback seven. A lot of that was just on the rushing upside. But when they do take that step as a passer, it's crazy. So, like you said, it's a long-term investment. I think, but for fantasy, right, like when you're looking at fantasy floors – Josh Allen, nobody knew if he was going to be a consistent long-term starter, but Josh Allen, even in his bad year, you know, first full year as a starter, he was QB eight. And part of it was his legs. And I think like Lance, Lance has like that game breaking ability that people love with fields, I think off the bat. So really if he just develops a little bit further as a conventional passer, I, you know, I, like I said, I'm excited. And and to your point, like, you know, we're all going to have the quote unquote, my guys, for this year and like Lance is, is shaving up like a, a my guy and I'm kind of pounding the table on him because I really really like him I think to your guys point he could benefit a lot by sitting a little bit and I'd be curious to see what team is kind of willing to take the dive with him and we need to see if he goes to a team committed to improving him yeah I, I think that's a huge thing and, and like you said it's not that I don't think he could step in and do it. I just think he would benefit from sitting half a year or sitting a full year before they just toss him into the fire um, because you don't want to see him develop bad habits and just try to rely on his athleticism because, I mean, we watch film and the dude's a freak. But, um, yeah, I agree with you, Mike. All right, fair enough. Do you guys have anything else or else it's back to you, John, with whoever you want to talk about next. Uh, so we're at three. I have Zach Wilson. Um, and like I said, the only reason I really have him over Lance is because I feel like he's just a better pure passer. Um, he's got a pretty good arm. He's, he's very accurate. Um, I didn't see him make many bad decisions. Oh, are we on the fourth quarterback? Yeah. Fourth quarterback, but you're third. He's ranked third for you. Yeah. Okay. Why you confuse me like that, Mike? Come on. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, I think he has a better deep ball than Trevor Lawrence. Um, he has more arc to his ball, and it's not as linear. Um, and other than probably Trey Lance, he had by far the worst receiving core out of all of these quarterbacks. I watched a lot of drops, um, and they just his receivers were not helping him out at all, and he still managed to put up the stats that he did. I understand it was it was to lesser competition, but he really dominated. And you saw him do things that you like to see in a pro quarterback, which is step up in the pocket. Um, he looked comfortable in the pocket. He could move around and make plays. And he had some Patrick Mahomes arm angles going on. Uh, so I really, I really like him, and that's why I got him as my number three quarterback. Mm-hmm. I missed my number four, but uh, it is close. So, like you said, it was the guy who looks a little more pro-ready versus the upside dude in Lance. But one of the funny things that popped out when I was watching Wilson was uh, BYU treated him like he was Lamar Jackson. They're running him inverted veer, read option, just QB powers. He obviously is athletic, but I see him more as a uh, like a Teddy Bridgewater or a Kirk Cousins where 
if you're going to bail out the read option, you can do that a couple times, but you're not running your whole offense based on it. <laughs> and he was also he was, averaging three yards a carry when he was running. I mean, they ran him a lot. So, and also <laughs> uh, in college, you're rushing yards. If you get sacked, that counts as negative rushing yards. So that might also have something to do with the, with the low yards per carry. But like John said, um, he had great college production, even though his team wasn't exactly the best and he wasn't playing the best. And uh, one last thing I want to say about him was he, he was really creative under pressure, almost kind of far of like there's a guy in his face do like a pump fake, get him to put his arms up so he could run around him, spins, jukes, like Mahomes and Favre like dumps where, you know, he does like a little – I just slapped my laptop trying to imitate him as I was talking. <laughs> Did a nice little like – We're leaving that in, ball. by the way, baby. Oh, yup. But uh, he was really creative trying to uh, beat the blitz. And even if it wasn't always the most accurate pass, he always made the right decision. And that's something that I really liked about him. And also, he's mobile, but when he uh, moves outside the pocket, he almost always sets his feet before he throws, which is huge. He's not throwing off-platform all the time on – yes, John, he did do some weird Mahomes angles, but for the most part, he was setting his feet and throwing proper mechanics, which was really good to see. Yeah, I I agree with that. And Zach Wilson's somebody who, you know, I want to be really clear about this, right? When I look at some of these stats, college stats are inherently misleading because these teams are not playing in similar conferences. They don't have similar levels of competition. They don't have similar levels of talent on their end of the ball. Um, And that's especially true for Zach Wilson, for Trey Lance, Um, you know, Lawrence at at, uh, Clemson and Ohio are a little bit more comparable, but Zach Wilson is somebody who statistically, and and really, if you look at him physically and mentally improved every single year, he was in the league. Um, You know, he, he improved on his yards every single year. He improved on his accuracy. His completion percentage this year was an astounding 73.5%. And he has, I mean, this is a, an interesting trait, but I, I did recognize it when I was watching today. He has the quietest feet in the pocket I've legitimately ever seen. Like, he does not do any erratic motion when he stands there. He's very, very confident about taking his time to make the correct read. If he's hurried, he's very good at adapting as necessary. Um, so that's not to say he has an issue where he holds the ball, but his and his advanced analytics profile is really, really good. Um, you know, looking at this pro football stuff um you know i adjusted completion percentage 80.3 percent it was nearly the same as fields average depth of target 10.9 percent tied for 15th um it was better than fields it was better than lawrence big time throw rate 8.6 percent which is 10th better than fields better than lawrence turnover worthy plays 1.2 percent uh third in the nation which was better by a huge margin than lawrence and fields deep yards 1,286 deep yards, third in the nation. So, you know, deep yards, right? We were talking about Lawrence, who had 686 screen yards. Um, So he has double that in deep yards. And for screen yards, Zach Wilson only has 318 yards off the screens. So he has half the, you know, screen yards that Lawrence has. Although he has, albeit, more um, than you see out of fields. And he is very strong in terms of, you know, everything on the outside hashes. He's, he's pretty consistent, 20 yards, 25 yards out. He still needs to work on it a little bit. But his deep ball and his touch is really, really strong. And, you know, watching his film and walking away again today, I was really impressed again. 
And he might not have the rushing upside of Lance and Fields, but it almost feels unfair to him to have him at four as I say this because I really think he's talented. I think the top four guys I would easily have all over Tua as prospects, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. Completely agree on that. Um, John, what about you? Did you have anything else you wanted to add on Wilson? Yeah, I just want to say I agree um, with what you said. And I like how – I mean, he's not unathletic. He He's definitely – going to throw first and like you said they ran him way more than he would be running the NFL but he is athletic and he can run so I have a good comp for him that Mike I know you're going to hate but I compare him to Drew Locke but it would be if Drew Locke took the step up this year that everyone thought he was going to do because he has a big arm and the two things he needed to improve on were get a little more accurate and make a little better decisions and I think they're similar athletic wise because they, you know, they can definitely throw and they can run when they need to, but you're not really going to do many design runs for them. Um, but yeah, so I think he's like the next evolution of Drew Locke. I can see that. I think it's so think dis- I think it's so disrespectful to compare him to Drew Locke. I said that to you yesterday. I know that this is your your hell bent on making this comparison, and your comp is your own. So I'll uh, you know, whatever the viewers can decide for themselves how off your rocker. Okay, well, well, for the viewers, Google a picture of Drew Locke and then Google. A yeah, he of looks Jack like Wilson. him. He doesn't play <laughs> like him though. Like, no, he's Drew. He's Drew Locke two point he, He's Drew Locke if Drew Locke made better decisions and if Drew Locke's arm talent was only like five percent worse. Because Wilson doesn't have that howitzer. He has a good arm. It's pretty strong, but it's not. It's not like Drew Locke where Drew Locke had a rifle and that was like his talent. Drew Locke's career high for his rushing stats was 175. Like, even mobility-wise, Wilson's mobility is better. So, I, I just – Yeah, I, but I, I mean, like, I don't think you're going to be running many designed runs for Wilson in the NFL. Like, playing for BYU is completely different. Like, I yeah, think but, he, he can take off and run if he needs to, but he's going to be more of a passer in the NFL. I mean, at the end of the day, both of them – both of them can move. So if you want to go along that vein, fine, I'll give it to you. But I'm not prepared to say that that's a comp I like. If anything, I, I think his athleticism reminds me more of – and his ability to improvise reminds me more of like um, almost like Darnold, but again, better decision-making. And to be honest with you, when we're talking about caliber prospect, right – Darnold went, what, three? And there's conversation that Wilson's going to go two. I think Drew Locke's in a whole different category being a second-round pick versus these guys. That Like, Zach Wilson's a blue chip, like a blue chip prospect. I don't think that anybody was calling Drew Locke a, anything more than a late first type of guy. Hey, Mike, I was. Yeah, and I don't know why. <laughs> That's fair. You actually didn't need to announce that. You just hurt your credibility. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, yep. What are you going to do? I don't know. This is what happens. You uh, you bait me, and then we have five minutes of dialogue of me going on a rant about how I can't believe you made that comparison. But I know part of it is just for comedic appeal. You just want to get me riled up, so I'll give you a break on it. Appreciate that. Tim, did you like the comp? I mean, I agree that he looks like him. <laughs> <laughs> That's my, aside from that just being such a bunk comment, absolute bullshit comment, let's just not even get into it. Oh, okay, fine. Last guy. Um, I believe the honor is yours, Tim. Oh, cool. So, 
number five. I know a lot of people thought uh, Kyle Trask might somehow sneak in here, but uh, I went with Mac Jones as my number five quarterback. He is the prototypical pocket quarterback. He's a goddamn statue in the pocket going up against uh, high competition with his really good competition around him. And when I was scouting and looking through some of the stats, it's kind of tough to judge because he threw over half of his yards to one player. Devontae Smith is awesome, so it's hard to knock that. But, you know, it is kind of tough when you see that much of your production go to one dude. And what I like to see, he progresses through his reads really well. He can make every throw. Alabama has a really good offensive line, so he wasn't under pressure a lot. But when he was, it was really obvious that he doesn't have the legs to get away. Obviously, he can roll out a little bit sometimes. Even Brady can do that. But there are some times where you want to see him run away from some of these defensive linemen or break an arm tackle. But the second they got his hands on him, he was going down. Although with his arm, he was a lot more capable of getting the ball out when he was under pressure. Just check downs. And a thing that I love the most, this is the uh, best part of his tape for me. When he's under pressure, he will stand in the pocket, take a hit in the chin, and throw the ball 20 yards downfield to a guy. He will stand in and make the tough throws. And a guy I kind of want to comp him to is Jared Goff in a good way. He's a distributor. He might not be the best guy in his team, but if you get him in kind of a Rams situation, uh, just somewhere where he can distribute the ball to his playmakers, that's where he's going to thrive. And he might never be a top 10 or even a top 15 quarterback, but there's still value for guys like that. Derek Carr, Teddy Bridgewater, they all have value in leagues. So if he can be on that tier, which I think he can, I think he can be successful. Yeah, I think he's going to end up being a value, to be 100% honest with you, because I think he's going to go later in the second and he's going to be a starting quarterback. Um, very likely, you know, he's one of those guys that is is more likely to go to a good franchise. And that kind of means they're going to take time to commit to developing him correctly. And I, you know, I don't know if his ceiling is top 10, but I kind of saw him a little bit. And I like the Jared Goff comp. And I think that this is a similar one along those veins. Um but I, I kind of think about Kirk Cousins and in Kirk Cousins best years, he was QB like seven, eight, nine, ten. 10, very consistently had a, you know, floor of QB 13. If, if Mac Jones goes to a team like the Broncos, um, you know, where he's going to have a lot of good weapons, or if he goes to a team like the Colts, or if he goes to a team like the 49ers, um, you know, there's definitely some appeal here. So I'd be, I mean, we're going to have to adjust maybe our perception of him he's clearly you know athletically in a tier below all of these other guys he is kind of a, at his own for me at qb5 that being said I, I don't dislike him and i think you could do worse for a qb5 than him certainly in many draft classes it kind of speaks to how strong the class is mm-hmm. yeah i agree and he i mean he's like with the football iq and everything he's definitely pro ready it's just like tim kind of said you haven't really seen him challenged much because of his wide receivers were always wide open um and that's that was tim's text from before it was like oh mac jones's film is just oh harris and smith are really good so i'll just throw <laughs> to them um which is kind of true and waddle um, when waddle was healthy and yeah when waddle was in um but yeah like you said i think he could be a safe just a safe you know low floor not very high ceiling quarterback if he goes to the right system I think the Colts would be good for him just because they have a really good O-line. And he can make 
he can make throws. He has a good he has a good arm. It's just if teams can get pressure on him, I think he might struggle a little bit. But again, like you guys said, QB five really just shows how good this class is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he could be the uh, kind of the Drew, <laughs> going back to Drew Lock. As I say, the Drew Lock of this class in the way that he sneaks out of, out of the first round, and I think he goes probably in the second. I think he'll go in the first. I think a team will be hungry. To be honest with you, I, I wouldn't be shocked if he went top 20, top 23, 24, something like that. Um, Very fair. I, I really wouldn't be shocked. There's just enough teams that need a guy that he's worth taking a shot on. One of my questions is how do you play for Alabama and have such an absolute dad bod? Because, like, he is – he's kind of a little bit chunky and he has, like, a premier weight strength and conditioning program in Alabama. Kind of shows to me that he just does not value that whatsoever. I find it absolutely fascinating. Dude, I say the same thing about like kickers and some of these other dudes, or even the coaches. It's like, how do you walk into work every day? You see these dudes squatting like 500 pounds, and you're like, yeah, I'm just going to go to the vending machine, watch film. No. <laughs> I mean, he's got a little bit of a, he's got a little bit of a paunch, you know? I mean, I, I was for some reason thought that John was going to tell me that like he loved Mac Jones and he kind of loved his dad bod swag, to be honest with you. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I should have wrote that down in my notes. You're right, Mike. <laughs> that the Mac yeah. attack, dad bod upon swag. Wa- upon watching film, I have noticed that Mac Jones is kind of fat. <laughs> <laughs> I would have loved that expert analysis. Honestly, that that's the kind of content that I think the squad's looking for. Yeah, that's what I bring to the table. Oh, listen, uh, can't knock it, can't knock it. So, guys, I think uh, we got through our our boys for today. Um, Next week, I think we're going to go into either running backs or wide receivers. We're probably going to go through kind of like a primer um, the same way as this. Um, and we're going to be doing that for – I mean, at least for, for next week, we'll be doing that for running backs. I think we're going to have to split wide receivers into two, and we might want to combine the second wide receivers and tight end. Because um, I don't know if there's enough tight ends for a whole episode, but a couple of the tier two wide receivers and tight ends might make sense. Um, yeah, I like that. We'll talk about it a little bit more. We'll uh, we'll plan. I mean, hey, listen, we got an intro now, so really things are looking up for the for the squad. Hold That's on, true. before before we end this, I I just did some quick research because uh, you know I, I noticed what John and you said about Mac Jones being kind of chubby. It's clearly a flak jacket. He is a thing protecting his ri- or like his uh, have you his lower Google, body. Google Mac Jones body for me real quick though. I'm just looking at uh, with the jersey and pads on. He's got. Pads. I, I know, I I know, I know. But one of my other friends sent me a because we were. Oh Jesus! About I'm it. seeing that. Is that actually him? <laughs> with the Dude. cigar in his mouth. Okay, with the cigar no, I take in his that mouth. back. I take yeah, that he's back. Not, he's fat. He's got paunch for absolute days, dude. I don't know how he got that much girth to him. Also, there's another picture that comes up next to him, and it's DK Metcalf flexing his one percent. It's incredible that these two people are both considered humans. I mean, <laughs> they're the same species, but they're just. I mean, there we go. <laughs> On that note, let's end. Let's end here for the for the episode, boys. Um, do you guys have anything else? No, I think that was very well said by both of you. I'm excited right. for the draft. Well, I'm excited for the draft too. It's going to be really interesting to see what's happening with the pro days. I don't know if you guys heard that one of the pro days. Um, or I guess a group of pro days for people that are training. I think it's a training group in Florida. They're going to run a pseudo combine. That's going to be, 
I think really interesting because they're going to be able to get some baseline measurements on those guys without it being coming in a question of like bias from their, you know, their colleges. So definitely going to be on the lookout for that. Cause we're going to be, this is going to be a different off season. We're going to have to kind of adjust a little bit with how we're getting our analytics for some of these guys. Yeah. Agreed. Mm-hmm. All right, boys. Well, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Juan Dynasty. And follow us on Instagram at Don Wands of Dynasty and catch us on Reddit. We're doing weekly articles, but uh, that's all we got for tonight. So peace out, boys. Yep, see you. Peace.